This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. I feel like this one is probably a long time coming, right, Tom? I guess we discussed it. A couple of times. Um, in different podcasts, yeah. In different podcasts, talking about uh, when we talked about the Mujahideen and when yeah. Afghanistan, right? And we've talked about obviously some other American events. But now we're going to look at the actual operation to locate and find and then um, eliminate with extreme prejudice, I guess is the official term, right? Osama bin Laden. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. How he escaped from the uh, Battle of Tora Bora all the way to where he was in between those 10 years from December 2001 all the way to May 2011 when he was exterminated by, right. the, uh, by the U.S. Special Forces in uh, Pakistan. It's so crazy because this is all so vivid in my memory. I mean, we we're, we're oh, treat yeah. this like history because it's history, right? I mean, it's, think of our students, right? Our mm-hmm. current high school students were born after 9-11. So this is technically history to them, right? That's like something that happened oh, yeah. in those 60s, 70s for us. But I remember specifically today, I can't believe it's been that long, when President um, Obama went on TV and said, like, hey, this is what's happening. By the way, did you know, and you might find this an interesting tidbit, it was the rock that broke the news. It was, it was not the rock. You are it, wasn't it? Missing. He was one of the first people it was, to break it was, it was John Cena. You sure? It was Joe. I can pull it up right now and play it on the bike. We can't play on the podcast, but yes, it was well, John no, it did, So I heard that on Twitter. No, no, that was, this, but on Twitter, the rock supposedly tweeted something that the news of Osama bin Laden's coming right out. Then John Cena did some video thingy. Then you had the, what do you call it? Like NBC was like, yes, there's going to be an announcement by the president tonight. And then we go out. So I don't know. Maybe it was both The Rock and John Cena. For anyone out there listening, I mean, you know, shoot this into the comments. Uh, I'm uh, looking it up right now. The uh, Johnson tweeted... The Al-Qaeda leader has been killed at 1024 on May 1st, one minute before a former White House chief staff and 45 minutes before any major news outlets beamed out the story. Who, who was it supposedly? It was The Rock. The Rock was the first one ah, to say. I told you. He, he tweeted it. He, That's he what I tweeted, said. He tweeted it out first that, that, that he was dead. I just got the word that will shock the world, land of the free, home of the brave, damn proud to be an American. So The Rock tweeted out. And obviously we'll get into killing of Osama bin Laden, but... I, I thought it would be interesting that we were able to hold on to the news. And as we'll we'll talk about today, we withheld this from Pakistan, where, where we actually went in, a military operation went into another sovereign nation, you know, without them knowing. They, they didn't know what happened until it happened. They're like, wait, what, what just happened? Uh, we were able to keep that so secret. Even the night when he was actually killed, there was a dinner, a state dinner in a White House. And one of the, the presenter at the state dinner was a comedian. And he made a joke about bin Laden, like, oh, bin Laden's probably blah, blah, blah. And there's a close-up of President Obama, and he's kind of smirking and laughing. Haha. Meanwhile, he knew at that moment that the operation was literally happening or about to take place, you know, like within a few hours. And yet, like, once it happens, The Rock somehow finds out yeah, the Rock for the rest out, of the American the, people. The Rock puts it out there, and then a few minutes later after The Rock tweets it out is when John Cena on TV, it was a pay-per-view just ending, holds up the tie, the WWE championship belt and says that I'm very proud to be an American and the Stars and Strikes Forever plays. He, and then he announces that uh, Bin Laden was killed. So he's actually when a lot of people in that audience first found out about it. 
it's just nuts to me that like how did these people i mean how does the rock anyway we need to you know we need to get rock on a podcast and be like it's the rock yes so Dwayne, if you're out there feel free (laughs) feel free so let's get into what we actually decided to do this podcast for uh let's talk about uh osama bin laden really the downfall the death the killing of osama bin laden again all this is very fresh in our minds because we lived through a lot of this information and we're going to start obviously a little bit before we'll talk a little bit about who osama bin laden was and we'll talk about kind of the rise of the al-qaeda prior to 9-11 then we'll get 9-11 and then we'll just manhunt it all the way until the end, which happened on May 2nd, 2011. 2011, yes. Yep. All right. So Osama bin Laden, just real quick, for those of you that do not know, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming you all know, but Osama bin Laden was born in Saudi Arabia. Uh, we're not sure if it was 57 or 58. It might have been either or. He was the 17th out of 52 children that were born. Is that crazy? 52 children born to Mohammed bin Laden. He was a Yemeni immigrant that owned like the largest construction company in the entire Saudi kingdom. He came from wealth. He came from wealth. Super wealthy. Yeah. Osama bin Laden was well-educated, like his brothers in the West, went to work for his father's company. Islam, very religious from a young age, right? It was more than a religion to bin Laden. And it shaped his political beliefs and very much influenced every decision he made from a young age, like as a teen even going forward. While he was in college in the 70s, he became a follower of like this radical pan-Islamist scholar that believed that Muslims should rise up in a jihad or this holy war. And he kind of took that in college and really stuck with this idea. And then in 1979, when the Soviet troops invaded Afghanistan, bin Laden traveled to Pakistani uh, city, a border of Afghanistan and Pakistan to join the resistance. And they became these fighters, which you guys could listen to in our Soviet invasion of Afghanistan uh, podcast that were known as the Mujahideen. These guys basically encouraged men from all over Middle East to be part of this jihad, like come in and let's fight the terrorists. Fight off the Soviets. And and they were supported by the U.S. at this point. That's what's crazy too. Yeah, the U.S. did support... I guess directly, indirectly, Bin Laden and the Mujahideen, they definitely supported the Mujahideen. The Stinger Stinger missiles that shoot down the the Hein helicopters and stuff like that. Like that's, that's fact. And they're doing all this. And, you know, he's very successful. I'm just going to fast forward a little bit here. right? Yeah. And so, I mean, in 88, he creates the new group, right? Al-Qaeda. Yeah, it's about he creates Al-Qaeda and he returns to um, Saudi Arabia, basically like a hero. Gets involved a lot of uh, opposition movements to the um, monarchy against the Saudi yep. Arabian monarchy, but he's still working at his family construction firm, the Bin Laden Group. So he's yep. that, that is a real company. And then it's you know things, world events keep on happening, like Iraq invades Kuwait, United States gets involved there, right? The coalition. He eventually has to flee Saudi Arabia because they're basically saying um, he's outright saying negative things about the Saudi Arabian government going against, uh, he doesn't support the alliance, the Saudi alliance with the United States. So that's when he actually moves to Afghanistan and employs a number of um, soldiers basically to come with him. He tries some other things in between this time too. We're skipping over a good like eight years here. Like he tries opening up some of his own businesses and stuff like that. But he, by the same time he's doing this, he's also part of the Mujahideen. He's part of Al Qaeda. And um, it's just, he can't do both. And he goes more for this religious zealot type of, thing anti-west it's not just anti-american it's anti-west anything against yeah. having these um outsiders in the holy land 
Yeah, I mean, I, one of the last messages that is recorded of Osama bin Laden shortly before his death was actually a warning to France that there will be more terrorist attacks on France. That was one of the last things um, his death. So yeah, definitely the West. So bin Laden associate embraces violent jihad. They train and arm rebels that, that wind up killing American servicemen in different areas. And basically, the first time he really kind of becomes known to the American public is in 1993, right? Yeah, it's the first World Trade Center bombing. He's already on like the intelligence networks. Like some people, I guess, would be aware of him just because of who he was and his rhetoric. But it's really the first um, World Trade Center bombing in February of 1993 when the uh, what, van, the car bombs explode. Yep. Inside, so I remember that too. I remember going. I was on the way to like a birthday party and stuff like that. And they were, oh, the World Trade Center, the bomb. They didn't collapse, obviously, or anything like that at that point. And they were to catch the people pretty, um, pretty quickly. But it did knock out a TV reception, if you remember yep. that, Pete. Yep, yep. So yep. Like, they, they, that was before streaming and everything like that, where most of the antenna towers were on, like and before this area. Yeah, NBC, ABC, and Fox were all on the World Trade Center. But they were taller. CBS was still on Empire State Building, so the only channel you could watch anything you know, get news of what was going on was CBS at that moment. It's yeah. Like interesting little tidbit in history, I guess. It would never happen today like that, but that's what it was then. Wow. Yeah. And after that, he basically becomes public enemy number one. It's interesting because we just did a podcast on public enemies yeah. in the 30s, but he does. He becomes public enemy number one on the yeah. FBI list. Going forward, basically, bin Laden is now known as the uh, terrorist that is actively trying to hurt Western powers and cause as much mayhem as possible. He basically ups the ante with his Al-Qaeda attacks. On August 7th, 1988, there's bombs that explode at different U.S. embassies. 213 Americans are killed, 4,500 are injured, which he officially goes on. You know, he would send these tapes out like he would say, I did this. Here you go. I'm this is my jihad. Shortly after 98, though, they said he never really traveled with a phone because he was made aware that Americans could track his phone, his cell phone service, even in 98, which were primitive phones in a sense. Um, so from that point forward, he only used couriers to send personal messages, never a phone. That plays a large role later on in what we're going to talk about, this idea of using couriers. But there's another bombing in um, 1998 where 11 people are killed, 87 injured. Uh, then in October 2000, there's a small boat. Remember it with explosive, it plows into the USS yeah, coal. Yes, coal. Yeah, the USS coal. Even before this, Bin Laden was called like a jihad against all Americans, including civilians. This was in February of '98. So he's, you know, putting on this rhetoric. He actually gives several news interviews. Some with ABC's John Miller. Um, a couple with uh, the Gwen Roberts actually interviews him for uh, from the British um, BBC, and we're saying that you know we're declaring a holy war against the United States and its allies if Washington does not remove its troops from the Persian Gulf. Public enemy number one, he's outright saying these things. He's not leaving his little area. I think after that, weren't they able, wasn't there a chance where they had a chance to actually get him? Well, they they almost got him right after in that battle yeah, where he right hit after. in the mountains. Well, that um, was total war. That was after 9-11, yeah. That was 9-11. That was very yeah. close. But, yeah, they should have had him there. That well, should yep. have, they, we'll get to that in a second. Yep. After the USS Cole incident in October 12, 2000, where, like I said, the small boat with explosives uh, hits a U.S. battleship or naval destroyer, I should be specific. 17 sailors are killed. 38 Americans uh, are injured on top of that. Bin Laden takes credit. Federal grand jury in the United States indicted Bin Laden on charges, right, of all these bombings and things. Like, But they just can't get him. They, there's no way to find him. He is protected. He's in the mountains of Afghanistan. And as the Soviets could tell you, it is almost nearly impossible to try to get through. I mean, no matter how much you bomb those mountains, they're in the caves. Like, you can't yeah, they're deep there. in caves, yeah. Mind you, this guy is very, very rich. So now, you know, we'll get into the 9-11 World Trade Center attacks. 
I guess do we, do we even need to get into 9-11? Well, I, mean, I think right? people are aware uh, of what happened at the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, Al-Qaeda terrorists hijack airliners around yep. the United States and fly them into targets. And over 3,000 people are are killed. And what this is going to do is going to launch this uh, even more of a manhunt now to get bin Laden. It was his attack. There's no like, was it him? Was it not him? And stuff like that. He, he said, no, no, it's what we're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. We did it. Yeah. So after this happens, again, I, I vividly remember this, as, as oh, I'm yes. sure a lot of our listeners do. Um, yeah. But I also vividly remember shortly thereafter when we first start bombing areas in Afghanistan, literally like within like hours, right? Days. The invasion was about a month later, I believe. Yeah. Yep. The actual full invasion was about a month later. And that's also when we almost did get him, correct? Yeah. Well, that was in December of 2001, but they actually heard his um, voice on the radio in Tora Bora. So American intelligence, actually, they positively identified his voice. He has a very distinct voice. They're obviously aware of it. Um, ordering troops in the mountains of Tora Bora. And they know that he was actually there. And there's even some accounts nowadays, now, you know, years later, that say, you know, he was there for the first two days of the battle. And then they kind of, when I say they, I mean Al-Qaeda or Taliban, right? Yep. Basically kind of stalled on purpose. They actually offered, oh, let's have a truce. Let's talk about things. And the reason they did that was to like stop the advance of the Western troops because it wasn't just American troops, though it mostly was, right? Yeah. Um, I want to be politically correct here. Well, um, like, it's like it's like the Korean War. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. They did that to basically let, get bin Laden and some other people too out of there like the high-ranking officials they had to like stall for time so they could get them out of there so bin Laden probably escapes after the second day yeah but like what's really important about this raid is because this this is the raid where we wind up catching a guy by name of Mohammed Mani Kantani I think Katani, yes Katani Mohammed Katani who's captured during this initial first raid in these mountains um, at first, he's like, oh, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. But then they're able to, again, CIA, FBI, all these people under Patriot Act are now working together. Uh, this is late 2001, early 2002. They wind up identifying his fingerprint. And they realized that his fingerprint matched someone that before 9-11 was trying to get into the country in Florida. And then they were like, OK, so they try to they go through surveillance tapes and they try to locate him. Basically, he was denied entrance into the United States right before 9-11 because he showed up with a bag full of 200-something thousand dollars. And they're like, mm. so they actually thought he was like an illegal immigrant that was trying to come in. They didn't know, obviously, that this he was one of the, but he was one of the initial to-be pilots that, that actually flew the planes into the towers. But he is turned away at the border and... While still in Florida, he makes a phone call, which, again, is traced by the FBI. And the phone call is traced to a known Al-Qaeda organization group later, which we figured out, apartment uh, in New York City. Then they find a car by one of the main hijackers that did fly into the towers. They find his car that was rented to his name already waiting for this Katani guy at the airport in Florida. So they're like, what? This guy was supposed to be one of the hijackers. So through him and, you know, we could get into it or not get into the different means of how the United States went about extracting this information. I mean, this was no, they used torture. I mean, that's that's what it yeah. was. If you ever see the movie Zero Dark Thirty, which again, I don't, it's disputed how accurate that is with some of those things. I think the compound scene, from what I understand, is pretty much what it was. There's been a lot of documentaries on it, which we'll get to on like the where they actually raid the compound in, in Pakistan. We know who he is, but yeah, torture was used. How effective it was is debated. Some yep. people will say what they got a lot of information. Some say they didn't really get anything that helped them from with torture so i mean that's up in the air you're not you're yep. going to get conflicting views depending where you look on it but you can't say that the cia or the u.s government was not torturing individuals yeah, information on where bin laden was no they were doing that 
Yeah, absolutely. They don't. Call, it's not called torture. It's called um, um in what intense interrogation techniques. Yes. But there you go. Yes. That was all over the news uh, back in the day, that's for sure. While that's happening, this man actually gives up and first announces to the U.S. authorities, CA or U.S. official authorities, that there is this courier. His name is Abu Ahmed Al-Kuwaiti, right? Milan's been missing for this time. There were well, some they reports knew, that- Well, actually, they knew about the courier from 2004, but they couldn't find the courier until 2010, 2010 when yeah, they located so, him. Yeah, so this is just saying how long does it take? Because it's like they get the information from that part of the world is very difficult Bin Laden is hiding. Like I say, he's not. He hasn't. He's not using cell phones since 1998. He knows the Americans look at him, and there is in some talk. If you look at some of like the timeline information, I was able to dig up from like Vice President Cheney at the time. He's even saying, "Listen, Bin Laden's a target. We're going to go after him, but he's not our main target because without his cells, he's useless. So we're going after his network, not necessarily him." So that's, that's what he, that's what a lot of the uh, viewpoint was in like 2002, 2003, because they knew just getting finding you know Bin Laden in some. Desert. A lot of people were saying he could have been dead anyway. They could have just, with all the other bombings and stuff like that that they did, they might have gotten him. They might, they might not even yep. know it. And that's actually something that comes up in a little bit as well. This idea of yeah. should we bomb or should we go in with a helicopter? How do we know? Yeah. But uh, what they wind up happening is they basically know that he is the most, this guy is the most trusted courier. And they start to get his name first in 2002, early 2002. Then through various other Guantanamo Bay interrogations, they are, that's confirmed that this guy is basically like, bin laden's cell phone you know this is his main courier his main contact and they can't find him so it's like 2003 2004 2005 and finally by 2007 u.s officials learn kuvati's real name so they kind of know a little bit more like okay where is this guy and they realize that actually he comes uh, his last name is ahmed and he comes from pakistan so they're like all right so now they're like looking more in a pakistani area the border between pakistan and afghanistan but they still can't locate him until they actually wind up getting him. First of all, his name is released by the WikiLeaks, right? In 2011, later on, which is interesting too. But they wind up getting, finally getting this guy's voice in 2010 wiretap uh, of another suspect that they were basically picking up. And they're like, wait, is this the Al-Kuvadi guy? And they're like, it is. And from that point forward, they basically, this is like you said, 2010, he becomes like the main guy that they are going to focus on. And they're following him, there's surveillance, and they realize he keeps on going back to Pakistan. And he keeps on going back to this one particular compound, right? That's basically the, the beginning of the end here for Bin Laden. And we really are simplifying this, guys. Like we're talking seven, eight years of massive like interrogations of um, a manhunts across the world for, like you said, his entire cell network, all these people that he had there, and then capturing them, assassinating others. And this is a long time coming. Even though we know of this courier, it took almost 10 years to finally get to him. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Yeah, well, there's a lot of talk even before. It's like Bush, um, George W. Bush still wants to get him. Like I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit now. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right, but in 2008, he's still talking about. It. He's even saying, "Listen, um, I might not be the one that gets him, but a U.S. president will get him." That's actually what he's saying. That he wanted to get him, 
because he could claim he left the world a safer place than what it was beforehand. And even uh, Barack Obama, when he was a um, just a candidate, he wasn't even, you know, um, president. He was just a candidate. He, they asked him a question, like, would you go into Pakistan? If you knew Bin Laden was there, he said, if we have actionable intelligence about high level Al Qaeda targets in Pakistan, we must act even if Pakistan will not or cannot. Yeah. Because they are technically an ally too. And he says that and even after he becomes inaugurated, when he becomes president, he says the capturing Bin Laden is a critical aspect of stamping out Al Qaeda. And he, on January of 2009, he fires targets at Al Qaeda in Pakistan within yep. a few days of becoming president. So, Again, this is not pro. Those are drones. One. Remember, they were yeah, drones. the drones. That was yeah, a lot of news. And, you know, that sours a lot of people. Too, yeah, with yeah. the drones too. It's how are you using drone strikes? And they're doing all these drone strikes. And that's another reason why they thought how Bin Laden could have been dead because they might have gotten one of these drone strikes. Who knows? But um, when Obama becomes president, he does make it a larger effort to find and be as prior to this. It kind of went a little bit of a back burner. They're saying because all the resources, there's only so many individuals in the West that have like experience in the Middle East, right? Speak to different dialects yep. or different languages. So they were kind of being used in the um, Iraqi war at that point. And now a lot of them are being brought back to go after Al Qaeda again with a change yep. of administration. So it's just, it goes back and forth and they're looking, they're trying to find them. It's becoming more of a, you know, priority to find where Bilal yep. is. And that's when they're trying to pick up about this courier, which is when they start to track this guy. And they said there were like, there was probably like a good dozens of leads that they were having, oh, this could be Milan, this could be, he could be here, he could be there. So this curve is just another one of those leads that they're just continuously kind of like Centering on, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What really made, kind of distinguished this guy was where he kept on going. And really it was the compound itself that got their interest. And they yeah. analyzed and overanalyzed this compound and they're like, this has, this was built to protect someone of high importance. And meanwhile, the other leads weren't really going anywhere, but this guy was going to this compound. And then this is crazy because they use like Google Earth initially. And they're like, okay, according to Google Earth, this was not built in 2001. But then by 2004, this three-story compound is built surrounded by 18 uh, foot high concrete walls and, and barbed wire. And they're like, what is this? Also, it's like, like literally less than a mile outside of a Pakistani military academy. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, what was, is this? And it was weird too, because at Compound, they didn't have any internet or landline telephone service, which like nope. most people, you did have in Pakistan. Like you, yeah. most people had that. But the biggest thing that was, this has got to be odd, is that the people, they burnt all of their garbage. Yep. So all the other people sent their garbage out, like you would, like, you know, on a Monday morning, yep. you put your garbage out. They didn't do that. And they're like, well, this is very odd for this to be happening. That's why it's like, it has to be someone high important. Has, they're definitely hiding something if they're burning their garbage. So now they're going to try to get as much information on this compound as possible. And they can't just like go up, ring the doorbell. Well, they yeah, do this do is that. in Pakistan. Yeah. <laughs> they do do that. They do do that. <laughs> but, well, for, yeah. but, but different thing, different reason. I mean, they might skip the doorbell. Nonetheless, though, what's happening? No, they did ring it. Is- they did ring it. Remember? They did. The vaccinations. Yes, yes. Well, that's an interesting point. All right, you'll get to that in a second. But uh, what ends up happening is now this is priority. Um, they actually go to CIA actually winds up going to Congress and it's like, we need more money because we're going to really concentrate on this lead. And and Congress is like, fine, here you go. Go for it. So they bring people in there and they scan this building so well that they actually are later able to recreate a one-to-one replica of this entire compound in the United States where eventually you have the Navy SEALs training on it. But so they scanned the bejesus out of this thing and they're like, all right, they actually to the very last minute, even when the SEAL team goes in, we still don't know that it's Bin Laden that's in there. We No, they're, we they're never sure until they're actually, yeah. even after the fact, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure they have they're. to like 
is this him or not? So we really don't know if it's Bin Laden. And then there was this idea of like, well, what do we do? Do we do we just bomb this thing? Right? Because the first idea was like we could send a B2 stealth bomber and literally there could just be a crater left in seconds and no yeah. one would know. Yeah. Right? Wasn't it like blast radius? They're worried about the blast radius, they're worried about civilians. You'll be there'll be civilian casualties, probably, yes. right? They don't want that. Yeah. And there'd be no way to verify it was Bin Laden. They could just say we think we got him, you know, but they wouldn't be able to yeah definitely prove uh, that it was him and also just you know using your technological might which is what they do anyway but just to blow that up and you could kill civilians and they knew that there were children also in this compound yes so they're like yeah i think they knew there was like about 13 children in the compound which is how they are trying to get information because they send someone around trying yeah, so to get um, into that this is cool yeah well yeah there's to figure out um they send out doctors um pakistani doctors who are working for the cia to go in off free um Vaccinations. Polio vaccinations. Vaccination. Polio vaccinations, yep. which is very, I guess, common anyway in that area. They'll do yeah. that. They usher them away. I think some people, they are let in and some people do get it or get their blood drawn, but not all of them. Because they're trying right. to see and compare and stuff like that. They weren't. Yeah, they, they're trying to get. They're oh, trying to get the DNA. Because they did have, they did have Bin Laden's DNA based on the DNA of one of his um, relatives. His sister passed away from brain cancer. They wound up getting her DNA. That, so the city could base it off of, yeah. Exactly. So they're like, we're going to get this guy in there and try to get one of these kids where he's going to basically give him the polio vaccine, but he's going to get a blood sample from one of these kids. And then we could match it and figure out if it's really blinded. But like you said, they never actually really get into any of the children or get towards to any of the children. So that fails. So we really don't know when this is going on, whether this is this has been loud or not, but we have enough probability that we're going to go with yeah. it it's well, almost like probable is, cause you know yeah well from footage and from satellites and also from spina but they did see that there was this rather tall because Bilano was a tall guy right he was like yep. six two six three a rather tall older man that used to pace in the vegetable garden like right like yes. once in a while come outside but he was never out and it was always other people with him so they're thinking if anybody that kind of looks like they couldn't get like a picture of his face but like that might be bin laden so there are even ideas about all right we can just track if he comes at a certain time they're going to try to shoot like some small tactical munition over the fence when he was yeah. in his vegetable garden try to get him that way but again said so they could never they wouldn't be able to prove if that was him or not so there's all these different ideas like if this is him how what are we going to do how are we actually going to get him yeah and one of the latest last videos of him, because there's so many things, so much intelligence. One kept on saying that he was extremely sick and he needed dialysis for his kidneys. And there was rumors like, no, that's not him. He's already dead. There's no way he's still alive. But other people are like, no, he's pretty much, he's definitely alive. And this courier that never leaves his site for like the past 15 years goes to this compound. And then they realize he actually lives in this compound with his brother and like wife or something. So he's like, okay, like this guy used to never leave, supposedly bin laden's side right so like why is he in this compound the other thing is some of the latest videos of bin laden computer analysis realized that he was wearing a fake beard and they're like okay so clearly they're trying to keep up the appearances that it's still bin laden with his beard but highly likely we're now looking for someone that is trying to blend in somewhere you know and wearing a beard outside in pakistan even though if you're surrounded by 18 foot walls like you, you don't want to risk being and looking like bin laden but it did seem, based on later evidence, that Bin Laden was there for years. Like, uh, he was right there, less than a mile away from a Pakistani military yeah. academy, and just, just there, just hiding, chilling. So, in comes Operation Neptune Spear, right? Yes, that's what it's going to be called. Yes, Neptune Spear. And again, it was like their plan on what they're going to do to get Bin Laden. Like we said, what are they really going to do? But they eventually decided we're going to send in some of these um, stealth Apache helicopters, right? They're going to sneak in. 
under See, the. I know, uh, uh, I don't think they were Apaches. I think they were uh, modified stealth. What do you call helicopters? Um, Black Blackhawks. Yeah. Blackhawks. I'm because I needed Hawks, to bring yeah. a, a crew. There was like twenty something people. Yeah, you needed to bring a crew. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was that, and then there was the dog, right? And um, the code name was Geronimo, and that's where they were going to be stupid. They didn't even know. Um, I think believe they showed this in the in the Zero Dark Thirty movie, all the documentaries. This, the SEAL Team Six that was selected for this mission, they were just told they were going for a mission at first. They had no idea about yeah. what, but also about this, the plan of like, what were we going to do um, as far as, was this a search and kill mission or a search and um, the objective of the mission, right? Yep. Because Amer- American rules of engagement is that if an enemy surrenders, you take them hot, you take them prisoner. If they throw their army, if they're no threat, you take them prisoner. That's, that's American rules of engagement for these sorts of actions. You hear different reports, but most of the White House people say, no, if, if Bin Laden Surrendered. Surrendered, he would have been taken prisoner. Yep. But they also kind of said, listen, you know, you have, they have authority to kill him because it didn't look like anyone in this compound was going to surrender based on the compound. Just based on the compound but, itself, yeah. Yeah, and they, 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 they knew there were weapons. They, yeah, they knew there were weapons in there. Like this was not a place where someone was going to just um, surrender. But there were people that did surrender inside of the compound itself. Yeah, yeah, no, they, not everyone was killed. They, in compound. No, no, no. So as I mentioned before, these guys, and you kind of just alluded to it, these guys are not told who the target is. They know it's an important target, but these are people that are used to hitting important targets. Like that's their job. They've eliminated these types of groups. Navy SEAL groups uh, have eliminated high priority, you know, terrorist targets of Al Qaeda. So as far as they're concerned, they're just doing another high priority target. And they start having him train in this exact replica, as I mentioned before, of this compound in the United States. And they're training and they're running. And the whole point is that they were supposed to be in and out of there within no later than 40 minutes. It takes about 90 minutes for them to uh, fly from Jalabad to um, – yeah, yeah, it's, it's actual place. takes about minutes. 90 minutes. And before this, too, the Blackhawks, you're right, they, they are they, – no one knew they had stealth capabilities like yep. before this. And it wasn't just the Blackhawks. They also had um, – a whole array of drones, fixed wing fighter jets that were all flying, you know, in that area to give backup support too. Because if it wasn't successfully gets crazy, they were just going to bomb the thing. Yeah, they also have other huge helicopters full of more men waiting right yeah. outside of Pakistani border. In case something yeah. happened, so they could just land case. these troops. And yeah, they had, they had a whole search and rescue helicopters available. They had um, they have a couple um, military um, Humvees almost too. Yep, that were in well, the area. If like crap hits the fan and this doesn't pan out, basically the Pakistani military is going to probably take in the American uh, Navy SEAL team. So we were like ready to just start negotiating to get them back. Like in case this doesn't work out, it does obviously. So what happens that evening is you said 90 minutes away, it takes the two helicopters to get there. The one issue is that when they were training in the United States on this one-to-one compound, they did not build 18 foot high concrete walls around it. They only build like a 18 foot tall uh, chain link fence. And what they didn't realize is that once the helicopter, because they were supposed to land on each side of the compound, on each side of the, the compound is enclosed, right? Inside of the building. What they didn't realize is that when the helicopter got in, it created a certain like unfavorable air compression because of the walls. And it actually caused the first helicopter as it's landing it actually starts to get out of control. It's like spinning and it hits the wall and the, the pilot luckily just shuts everything off and just kind of nose dives. And the helicopter settles like halfway. It's like the nose is in the dirt, the back of the helicopter's on the 18 foot wall and nothing happens to the soldiers. The soldiers get right out. There's about 20 something of them, right? All together. So probably, mm-hmm. you know, half of that in that helicopter. They hop out and they just go right into the compound. The other helicopter on the other side, though, already aware of the fact that the other one had this issue, it lands right outside of the compound. That group of guys 
climbs over the wall, right? So again, this is like already unforeseen issues from the very start. Yeah, because first the helicopter crashes, crashes yeah. That helicopter is left behind. They have to like scuttle destroy it, destroy it. it. Because as this is going on too, I know it was interesting. I don't remember seeing, but there were tweets from people in Pakistan saying like, Oh man, these all these helicopters flying again. Yeah. It's by a military base, so that kind of you it does happen. Like oh, another military operation, and there were actually the American soldiers landed. They came out of the compound saying uh, they were yeah. He's probably like go so, back. This is a this is it's a military operation. It's just an exercise. Don't worry. And they're trying to keep you back because they know eventually more and more people, and they have to get in and out before the Pakistanis scramble their air force. So yeah. that's also like something that they have to like, go. So they they land inside, and they right away start. They have the night vision goggles, and they just start. Yeah. If someone shoots at them, they're going to shoot back. So five other people, five people were killed, including Bilal. One was his son. Women and children were taken and zip-tied. Yep. But one and of the people that was side. shot was the courier himself and his yeah, brother. Yeah, the courier himself, so the courier himself and his brother were shot. And um, one of Bin Laden's wives scream out his name. And that's, that's, what, they, that's what they know he's got to be. Uh, and they see him there on the bottom floor. They look up and they see him as she's screaming out his name, running into a, one of the rooms up there. Yep. So that's when they're like, oh my God, he's here. I think that's when they actually say it. And you can see this, this, this situation when you have um, President Obama, Joe Biden, um, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. They're all sitting there watching this live as it's happening. And Discovery yep. Channel, about like a, only a few months after this, did kind of this like reenactment of it, the computer graphics. And it's basically from what they say, it's basically taken from the um, cameras. The cameras from uh, their headsets. From, yeah. from their headsets. This is a shot for shot what it was. They just computer rent because they, they're not going to release that. Ever. Never. But they, they, Never. Well, if, yep. if they, it's going to be hundreds of years from now. But they have it all. So they're wa- they're watching it in real time. And then you see them just going and they're continuously going up uh, towards him. And then they actually encounter him on the third floor of the building. He was uh, supposedly unarmed, wearing loose-fitting uh, tunic pajamas, pants. Pajamas, basically. Pajamas, yeah. basically. We had money and phone numbers sewn into the fabric. And he peered through the door and then they uh, basically... So this gets kind of disputed, right? Because supposedly when he peeked out and they were at the bottom of the stairs, they started firing right up. And he was initially supposedly shot at that moment. And he was already therefore wounded when he went by the time they got up there. And when they got up there, the one of his wives like went towards them. They wound they up put, like pushed they her, pushed her side, out of the right? way. Yeah, and they and then they shot someone else in the leg. There was something the different reports that there was um that she was shot in the leg and then grabbed both women, pull them aside. Then there's a Navy SEAL who has come out saying that he was one in Chapelon, Robert J. O'Neill. And that he states that, was that he put though, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's dispute. He's saying that he did it. Others are saying that he didn't. It's classified, so it's going to yeah. be whatever he states that he did. Um, that Bilana was um, standing behind a woman with his hands on her shoulders, pushing her forward. And then that O'Neill says that he shot Bilana twice in the forehead, and then once more as he was on the floor. Yep. So, but there's some different um, conflicting information on exactly who shot yeah. him, and but basically they all say no, he was shot. And at that point, you basically back in the Situation Room, back in the United States, these guys are getting this feed for feed, play by play, and they're like, "All right, we got it." But to make sure that this happened, that this was rather Bin Laden, right? First of all, they knew he was six four, but they didn't have a tape measure with them. Yeah. Like, and uh, later on, uh, Obama President Obama says, yeah. makes a joke, right? He's like, "You just what did he say? Like, you just, you just spent a- like you, well, you just destroyed like a thirty four million dollar helicopter, but you don't have enough money to bring a tape measure." Yep. So they actually had someone of the SEAL team that was also 6'4". They had him lay down next to Osama bin Laden, be like, all right, this is the perfect height. This is all happening in the dark because they cut off all electricity in there. So they're literally pitch black. So they had someone lay down, like, all right, this is the right height. Then they use a computer graphic scanner on his face, which is fed right into Virginia CIA headquarters, which runs a 
literally like a like you see in a movie. It's like it come with Mission Impossible stuff. It like deconstructs or reconstructs his face. And even though the face was severely compromised <laughs> yeah um they said that he got when he got shot right by his left eye like it blew up his eye like they said a portion of his left eye and the front of his skull was off basically you see saw his brain the computer was able to look through the jaw and they're like all right this is it um and then they also took the dna sample this is all like happening right there and then they're like all right this is the guy we're good so they basically bag him Right, they put him in a black plastic bag, throw him over the shoulder. Yeah, they're leaving. In the meantime, they're also grabbing a whole bunch of um, hard drives, computers, hard drives, computers yeah. DVDs, thumb drives, the cell phones. They found a lot of opium, so they're getting all this stuff and they're getting out of here because they know they have to get out. They had a short minute, and it, like you said, the raid was intended to take forty minutes. It took thirty-eight minutes, but they were there. The assault, so they they 15, killed a lot of within fifteen minutes. So they be between yeah. sitting foot in the compound. 15 minutes later, Bin Laden's dead. Now it's just getting all this information. All right, let's get out of here. And that's basically what they do. And by the time the Pakistani forces arrive, they're already gone. It's gone. There's the, not the, American, there. the only thing that's there is the burning, what's left of the helicopter. And they're initially gone. a Pakistani, like CIA version of the Pakistan, their intelligence agency is like, oh yeah, this was a mission that we did uh, with the United States. And then the Pakistani uh, like prime minister is like, no, we didn't. Like, that's not what we did. Yeah, it's because it doesn't look, how good does that look for them? That one, you can say, oh, we didn't know he was there. All right, whatever, right? Um, And then the other is, okay, this other country was able to just sneak into our border and kill people inside. We didn't know about it. And get out without us us even knowing about it. You know what I mean? Until after the fact. They had no idea. Like, literally, the Pakistani government created a whole committee to basically find fault. Like, how did we not know that this happened like the u.s was just in and out and as and they did scramble f-16s they scrambled f-16s but it's too late yeah Yeah, it was too late so what winds up happening is bin laden is brought on board uh, a u.s battleship he's brought it on a base in afghanistan where they run further tests on him and they're like all right now we know confirmed blood all that stuff like that ah this is him you have the president obama speech to the american people and then the question is, what do you do with his body? Because supposedly they went to various countries, like Muslim countries. Well, no one wanted. Well, yeah, they were. No one wanted it because one exactly. thing was, they, and they also didn't want to make it into a shrine for um, jihadists, right? So that that was yeah. always a fear. Um, so they basically contacted the Saudi Arabian government, because that's where he was from, and said, you know, who they approved the burying of the body in the ocean, and that's basically what they did. That's what they say they did. There's other people that say, no, it didn't. And you're never going to find pictures of it. There are pictures, obviously. But I know there are a lot of like fake pictures that surfaced online. I think after the fact, yeah. but I don't think any of them actually were bit a lot in because they say, no, this is not being leaked to the public. There's no yeah. reason for that. that was Obama it. said flat out, we will never, we don't need to leak these to the public. Like we, yeah. you will never see it. Obviously, some politicians have seen it. And I know John McCain was also like, no, we can't release these. Because the initial pictures that were taken in the compound were very gory. Like, they were very bloody. And then, if anything, there was a discussion about releasing the pictures from the uh, base in Afghanistan. Because by then, the face was all cleaned up and, like, yeah. for, you know, to reconstruct it and stuff. And But even then, it's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. You know, Freedom of Information Act requests come in to this day. People are like, we want to see. But not even DNA is released. Nothing is released. This case is closed, done, over with. And then basically news starts to leak out. right? Yes. I guess we have to talk about that. So news starts to leak out. Like at 945, that we talked about before the White House announced the president would be addressing the nation. I actually remember hearing that. Like I remember like watching the video. They go, he's going to 
the president's going to, and then you've kind of been leaking that, oh, he's going to say it and announce that bin Laden was killed. I was like, what? Really? And then, you know, you're hearing that. And then um, 40 seconds later, 1024, actually Keith Oberman was the first person to, um, uh, a national reservist, intel officer. He was the first, was, and then 45 seconds later is when Dwayne Johnson says it on Twitter, The Rock. Yeah. And then John Cena actually announces it to the people at a uh, wrestling event. It's announced between the Mets and the Philadelphia Phillies game. And when you start seeing all this, the reason we talk about it is people, I forget those live events, they instantly just start chanting USA, USA. And I do remember this too. You see people in front of the White House chanting USA. I remember New York City subway, people are chanting USA. Times Square, they're having celebrations on Bin Laden's death. It was a very... Patriotic, a lot of people say, oh, you know, this, you're celebrating someone's death, but yeah, but you're celebrating the person's death who is like the the face of 9-11, which is still, yeah. which it was only 10 years after the events. You yeah. know what I mean? It was such a long process. 10 years is a lot of time, but it's also not. You know what I mean? It's still vivid in people's memory. I mean, now it's been over 20 years since 9-11, but like you said before, we were of a certain age. We can remember it like yesterday, like bam, you know? And I, I still can't believe that it's been this long since even this night when they wound up killing him. I mean, yeah, I know. I remember the next day in, in school, it was like, all the, everyone was like, oh, we're just talking about this today. You know what I mean? And it was like, that was what we, especially as social studies teachers, like you're talking yeah, about this topic, the information that was coming out, and that's what you're talking about. And, you know, it was interesting. Nuts. So he is buried at sea, as we know, an undisclosed location. Supposedly, they did the older right things in the Muslim burial. Um, they did clean his body. They did wrap his body a certain way. And then they wound up putting him in a black plastic bag with a whole lot of um, iron chains to basically yeah, weigh him weigh down. Him down yeah. Supposedly when they turned the platform, like his body wouldn't go. And eventually well, because, it, it, because the table fell on top of it and was yeah. like keeping him kind of buoyant for a little bit. Yeah. So they basically said like the table with it went into the water. And although yeah. he went under, the table uh, was floating for a while for those that witnessed it. The location of the actual, the three-story mansion compound was destroyed it was destroyed shortly thereafter by Pakistan. Pakistan was like, yeah, we're not going to keep this. So it was done. Information, like you said, started coming out months, years after that. Uh, various books have been written about it, including by those people that were involved. Right, including yeah. by those that were involved. Yeah. But uh, it's one of those things, kind of remember where you were. Uh, and oh, I, think absolutely. It did, I think it did bring a certain, certain closure to 9-11, at least to some people who were affected by the terrorist attacks of 9-11. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that pretty much covers our podcast on the downfall or death of uh, Osama bin Laden. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you need to contact us, you could contact us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We are there to answer any of your questions and take in any suggestions. And I guess that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place. The sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. 
Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.